As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello once again and welcome back to Pod on the Tyne, your twice weekly Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. We're out in the wild for this episode, recording in the wonderful Bridge Hotel in Newcastle City Centre and I've got two lovely chaps here with me. Jacob Whitehead's here. Hi Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's very nice actually being in person all together rather than kind of stuck in my bed set. Absolutely. The, recording the podcast is an entirely different experience when you're staring into Chris Woff's eyes. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying watching him getting told off in the process of us recording this headphone for caressing his microphone against his stubble, which is something I wish I could do. Yeah. But sadly, do not have the ability to for probably another decade. <laughs> Chris is here as well. Chris, how are you doing? You all right? Well, I was actually here yesterday, and disappointingly, I haven't just stayed here overnight. I did go home and then return today, but uh, this is way I do like the Bridge Hotel, very good pub in the centre of Newcastle. No, it's great to be with you guys, but yeah, Ollie, the producer, is, as usual when we're doing these things in person, keeps giving me side glances as if to say you've screwed up again, so I'm just trying to be on my best behaviour, and then I'm just slipping into old habits quite quickly. I must say, Chris, something that doesn't come across when we record in our individual homes via webcam is just, you are quite bronzed, aren't you? You're quite, you've got quite a bit of a tan going on at the minute. You've been following the Tyndall plan? Is that what it is? Well, I, I do just slap on <laughs> a, bit, a bit of fake tan every morning just to try and... I still haven't quite got the smirk, though. I am trying with the smirk. Yeah. I look in the mirror every single morning. But no, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I, it's, it's unusual for me to be bronzed. Not many people comment on that, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually just look like a beetroot after, uh, and particularly given that it's been painted down in, on in tine, on Tyneside for most of the last six weeks. Then, uh, is this a well. byproduct of the uh, garden renovation? You're sort of like the gardener and Stacey's mom putting in, uh, <laughs> putting in. Uh, what's the <laughs> no, word? That to is the, a uh, reference, isn't it? The gardener and Stacey's mom. A lot of people have compared me to her previously, but. Um, <laughs> Well, Chris, you have got it going on. Well, thank so, you very you much. Know. I appreciate that very much. How are you, Taylor? I'm good. I'm good. It's nice, yeah. I was out yesterday, most of the day, at uh, the Hardwick Festival down in Durham. So I had a, a few beers and watched some bands. Great stuff. My legs are in bits, but it was all worth it.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So yeah, a slightly blue Monday after the weekend's results, but it's fair to say slightly lighter shade than after most defeats, apart from you, Jacob, who, you, what was the Everton score at the weekend? 4-0. 4-0. Wow. In the space of 24 hours, I think England rugby lost, women lost the World Cup final, Newcastle lost and Everton lost 4-0. I think it's a combined score of something like about sort of 50 <laughs> points to 10 or so. That is, that, it's hard to take that, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, Chris, didn't land many punches on Man City, did we? And I think that's the main disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of different reaction, both online, haven't spoken to people. And I think that there is a lingering sense of disappointment, mainly because of the sort of sense of expectation going there. Jacob covered this nicely in his piece that it wasn't the expectation that Newcastle were necessarily going there to win against the, the treble winners, not that people thought, that, but that maybe for once they could go to the early hard and really have a go at the opposition. And I think that certainly Howe's comments subsequently and even before the game suggested that he did want Newcastle to go and try and impose themselves on Man City. But for one reason or another, maybe due to tentative nature of Newcastle, but also I think largely due to how good Man City were and how much of a step up that was from the Villa team that played the week before at St. James's Park, Newcastle just couldn't get in the game and Man City deserved to win. Newcastle had their moments. They had openings, if not actually final ball to create opportunities but really I just think it was a difference in quality experience in those moments and the, the, the next stage in this evolution eventually of the Newcastle side has to be to try and go to these grounds and impose themselves on the game but as of yet they just haven't been able to do that. I think you know that against the City side you're never going to go to the Etihad and dominate the ball or dominate the game and you've got to stop them playing and take your chances and to an extent Newcastle did that they conceded one the XG kind of bears that out Harland was relatively kept out of the game by Botman and Cher. It's just the fact that you know you're only going to get a few opportunities a game. You've got to be ruthless. And Newcastle just did not have that technical quality, as Hal said, when they did get those chances. It's almost like they're a bit surprised when the ball presented itself in the final third. Yeah, there was a couple of instances, wasn't there? The one that, that stuck in my mind is the Callum Wilson one where he went through and it was almost a three against one, wasn't it? And if he just has a look and, and slides in Miguel Almiron to his right, there's, there's a chance for a goal there. But it just didn't seem to work, did it? It just wasn't quite coming together for Newcastle. Well, I think that the difference is, though, in those moments is that you have to pick the right option in those moments. And when you haven't done it for the first 70 minutes of a match, then those pressure moments become even more pressurised. Whereas against Villa, what Newcastle did early on paid off or they created ground that pulled Villa out of position. Against Man City, it wasn't quite like that. And, and it, this unique formation they play where they had a Kanji coming into midfield and it's almost like a 2-3-5 or 2-5 or however you want to look at it. That Newcastle didn't quite react to that. And how do you necessarily react to that? The midfield three, and the three of them in midfield, I thought, got dragged out of position for Newcastle quite frequently. The high press as well. What I want to comment on in terms of the how impressive Man City were was the fact that I've not seen a team play out from the press like that. Villa tried to bypass it to a certain degree in April at Villa Park. At times, Man City opted to do that as well when Edison went long 
uh, to Haaland, they have that option. But the way that they, how brave they are on the ball, the way they're played about in their own box, the way that Rodri comes deep, Kovacic comes deep, Akanji gets the ball, the fullbacks come deep, and it drags all Newcastle players out of position. I saw that Dan Byrne got some stick on social media. I actually thought he played relatively well in some ways. I th- thought certainly in terms of his distribution, he was he, he was simple in his distribution, but he actually found Newcastle players. But there's a lot about, oh, Phil Ford and got the better of him. Well, yes, he probably did, but that's because he had to come out to mark Kyle Walker and then yeah. Phil Foden was on the yep. inside. It wasn't as if Phil Foden was a conventional right winger. Man City create problems for opposition sides. Newcastle actually thought contained them relatively well, as Jacob said, for large parts, but they are such a good team that they're going to create opportunities and and the rare chances you get them, you have to take them. And Newcastle, unfortunately, did just lack that quality on the ball. It's a real shame that seeing as George has now turned over this new tactical leaf that we couldn't have him on to talk about the triple pivot which uh, Manchester City... <laughs> that would have made his spots. head explode, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Well, to, to avoid having to talk about that, he's just not bothered to turn up today, even though we're in the centre of Newcastle. So he's actually gone down to London, hasn't he? So, you know, he's, he's deserted he us. Ollie's come up here and he's deserted. Didn't want to see Ollie today, so... That's it. That's exactly it. And we, you spoke about the press not working. They kept Haaland quiet. I thought the back four were actually pretty decent overall. I thought Sven Botman had a good game. Uh, and it's two times now with the Etihad that we've managed to keep Berlin Haaland off the score sheet. And there's not many teams can do that. Well, I don't think any team has when he's played 90 minutes twice actually since he's been at Man City so I think Newcastle are unique in that sense but that's that's scant consolation I suppose to a certain degree I mean it was a it was a heck of a no, finish that's the real that's the real quiz Chris <laughs> that is the real quiz as you know we technically won that game exactly yeah, that, didn't score. That, 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 that's can you take it to trophy the Premier League table Absolutely. reflects that as well that's that, that there's an asterisk and but I, I have to be honest that I am going to accept personal responsibility for Man City's winner right there's a trait that I've unfortunately inherited from my father whereby we will comment on somebody or something in a match and then the opposite will turn out to be true. So literally 30 seconds before Foden passed the ball to Alvarez and Alvarez pinged the ball top corner, I had just turned to to Alice and James as I was watching in the living room and I said, you know, Alvarez has been their weakling so far in attack. He sort of <laughs> thinks things have fallen down and literally look up. Foden gets the ball, the ball comes inside and Alvarez pings the top corner. I still maintain that he had been poor up to that point, but that's why if you've got a World Cup winning forward, uh, it's, it's basically your, your reserve striker, but you're able to start him because Kevin De Bruyne is injured. That's sort of what you get. And that, that was the that was the difference. They Haaland had a bit of an off night and that Newcastle kept him relatively quiet, but he did have a few opportunities, didn't take them. But then they've got Alvarez to, to deliver on them. I really felt for Alexander Isak for Newcastle. I thought he had very little service. Isolated, wasn't he? Very isolated, yeah. yeah. The wingers, Gordon, I thought, started quite well. There was a couple of decent balls across the box early in the first half. But then, really, Newcastle couldn't exploit that again. And that's because of the problems that Man City caused. I'm not trying to make too many excuses for Newcastle. I understand why people were disappointed about the fact that they went there and didn't create the opportunities that people would have liked. But the quality of this side, that's 17, I think it's 17 straight wins, Man City, you've got it, the Eddie had I now. mean, that's terrifying, it's just it? It, they're, it's the treble, they're the treble winners. And yes, they've lost couple of big players during the summer yes Kevin De Bruyne is injured but they are still an absolutely top quality side and they took that one opportunity they really had the number eights were kind of trapped weren't they by just a sheer number of midfield runners which City had which just meant when Newcastle got forward in attack they didn't have that spare man which they typically used to construct those triangles Kovacic just looked like he was everywhere it looked like there was three Kovacic's on the pitch Kovacic's is that the right terminology I don't think it is Kovacai Kovacai <laughs> that's the collective noun for Kovacic uh, yeah he was everywhere He was. I thought he was the best player on the pitch to be he honest was and I thought that Newcastle's midfield to a degree struggled I think that there's quite a few comments about Bruno Gimaraes maybe holding on the ball for a little bit too long which I think he did at points but I wouldn't say that that was the, the, the main issue Newcastle had Tenali had some good moments again but also gave the ball away a little bit more he, he 
again another step up for for him even though he's played in a, in a Champions League semi-final one Serie A to, to, to feel that intensity of a Premier League match at the Etihad I thought Joe Linton had an off night yeah um, I've mentioned this before and I still maintain that, that that my concern about him in the midfield in the in a high pressure game like that against Man City is technically I think in tight pressure moments he isn't great and he gave the ball away a couple of times it led to openings for Man City like when he passed it back essentially to Erling Haaland at one stage and and Foden then fed him through I do think that 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 he had a rare off night Joe Linton he'd been fantastic for Newcastle but he what he wasn't brilliant but again it was it Howe said afterwards he didn't think that Newcastle were their very best. I would agree with that, but mm. I still think that they gave Man City a bit of a game, certainly in terms of frustrating them in attack. It was just that then when they got the ball, they still didn't use it as, as well as you would necessarily have liked them to. And really, I mean, they barely had it. They only had one shot on target and they barely really had a chance in Newcastle of, of any real note. Obviously, you've got to take these pep comments with a pinch of salt because, you know, he says Burnley are superb, superb after beating him 10-0 or whatever <laughs> on the opening day. But he did say that if they'd played an open open game that Newcastle would have ripped them apart. Um, wow. Which I don't agree with. But I mean, then equally, sure I think Guardiola, I'd argue, is probably more qualified than me. So, Arguably, who am I yeah. to argue? Uh, there was a good point from Matthew on Twitter here as well, which I'm going to bring up, which was, am I the only one who has a panic attack every time Shah goes down injured in a game, which is every game in the first five minutes. He tends to have either a head injury or something like that. It was his shoulder this time, wasn't it? And is that something that Newcastle are worried about? If Fabian Shea gets injured, could could there be a transfer scramble? Could they suddenly start looking for another defender? It's it's concerning, isn't it? It is. I mean, I've mentioned this before on the pod that the, the one of the thoughts going into the summer was that a right-sided centre-back would be a position Newcastle would like to add greater depth to, A, because of Shaw's age, really, and the fact that he, that he, he does seem to succumb to these injuries, which thankfully he seems to come back from relatively quickly, but eventually you would think one of them's going to keep him out for a little yeah. bit of time. And just more of a ball-playing centre-back, really, than Jamal Lascelles, who would be the direct backup. But they do still have Jamal Lascelles. They have Dan Byrne, who obviously can come inside and play as a centre-back. And although that may mean if it was Shaw who dropped out, you would have two left-footed centre-backs. It's still an option there. You have other defenders. Emil Kraft can play as a centre-back if he has to. Paul Dummett as well. So you do have options there. And I think really just a problem has been in the market this summer. Newcastle don't see value in the type of players they want. They'd rather wait and get the right right centre-back, the correct right centre-back going forward, the one who they see as being along to rather than panicking. And that's what they've done a lot of their recruitment so far as well. They didn't sign a midfielder in January when the midfielders they wanted weren't available. They waited and they managed to get Sandro Tonali in the summer. So that is part of the thought process there as well. If they were to get an injury in the next 10 days or so, Eddie Howe came out last week and said that, that after Lewis Hall, who were going to come on to, once his signing is completed, that will be the last signing barring any injuries so I suppose Newcastle still have that out that if they do have between now and the end of the window an injury which is going to keep out a key player in a position they don't think they have the depth they could still move if possible do you have any ideas why Cher always gets injured so early in games? Like, does he just not bother the warm-up and just sort of slap a bit of aftershave on, look in the mirror and kind of <laughs> purse his cheekbones? This was That's particularly is, early yeah. as well. I mean, this was literally inside the first minute. It was wasn't the it? first was challenge, wasn't yeah. it? It was the, first, the very first challenge of the game. I maybe he thought, I know I'm going to get injured at some point. Let's get it out the way early and then we can carry on. I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the half. I mean, it looked like his shoulder had actually popped out of his. I yeah. thought his shoulder had actually come out. I mean, at first I thought it was his head and then when he saw the challenge again... He thought his head had popped off, Chris. I think he'd be getting back up after that, to be honest. I think that might be a that might be a match end of that one. Head's gone. His head's gone. Literally, his head has gone. Uh, yeah, Bruno Guimaraes said the second half shows that we can compete with City, which by extension means we could compete with anyone, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, second half, I did think Newcastle 
were better on the ball. I, don't, I still don't think they were great. This, there was a clip going around on social media of, of Jason Tindall, which I now cannot find, but I believe that he sort of admitted to how on the touchline at one stage that Newcastle hadn't been good enough on the ball, which I think... That's not what he said, Chris. What, well, did he, what did he actually say, Chris? I think he said there'd been effing shit on the ball, is what, is what he actually <laughs> said. Um, was Seemingly from the clip, which I can no longer find, so as I say, I'm not saying he did definitively said this, but it, it looked like he did. And anyway, I know Newcastle weren't pleased with how they performed in possession, and that is something that... that will take time to come. That's what they're trying to build on now. And it's different. What I think is going to be different about the Liverpool game this weekend at St. James's, even though Liverpool are arguably a bit of a bogey side for Newcastle, is there's a St. James's Park factor. And you don't have that going the empty hand. I do think that makes a big difference in terms of you haven't got the crowd behind you to really will you on. And when you're in those tight pressure moments, then you do, you do, you will second think what, you, what you're trying to do. And I thought that happened a few times when Newcastle, Miguel Almiron got into some good positions and his final ball wasn't there. But also yeah. the, he was the one who was getting into those positions. Guardiola I thought was their weak link. And I thought that he, I thought that Almiron caused him a lot of problems. And it was just, again, that final ball. Bruno Gimaraes at the point where he was played through and he gets to the edge of the area does his little flick that he does on the top of the ball with with his studs, but then takes one touch too many and the ball goes away from him and he hits it wide. He rushed that shot, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. They're the moments you have to take in attack and Newcastle didn't. They gave Man City some uncomfortable moments without actually really ever testing Edison and really getting in the opportunities where you'd like to have thought, where you'd turn around and say they, should, they could and should have scored there. And when you're living on scraps the way Newcastle were in that game, things can get frustrating, can't they? And we need to really be careful to not let tempers boil over and there's a you know, there's a few people who who maybe's let the the occasion get the better of them. Not looking at anyone in particular, but Anthony Gordon. Uh, I'll be <laughs> is the real reason why George wasn't at this podcast talking about his suspension. From <laughs> that's it, yeah. George just completely lost it. Uh, no, Anthony Gordon was lucky not to get a red card, wasn't he? As well, it was a bit of a naughty one. That the first one, yes. I mean, there was two Anthony Gordon challenges, both of which the second were, one's nothing. Yeah, second. both of which were um, the first one. I. Think I, I'm not. I don't think he deliberately goes to stand on Achilles, but I also think that the way that, that he catches Diaz, I think it's not, it's not ideal. Is it? Was it Diaz? Yeah, it was Diaz. Yeah, I thought it was Diaz. Um, and it, it, it sort of the it slowed down. It always looks worse. But I also thought mm, a, a, another referee could have decided that was a bit more. And then VAR probably aren't going to overturn it if it goes to them. As a, and so I'm not saying it should have been upgraded to a red card. I just think he was. It was one of those amber, the cliched amber cards. I, I thought he was really lucky. I thought because of the angle that he catches him from and Diaz has got the ball in front of him, I think what, what is it that you're trying to achieve by making that challenge? You're not going to get the ball through the defender like that. So why are you doing that? You know, And it was close to being a rake down the down the back of the leg, wasn't it? And it, maybe his gravity intervened and, and made that foot come down and made it look a little bit worse than it was. But I didn't like that challenge. I thought it was a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit petulant. He has that needle in him though, doesn't he, Jacob? He does have that, Anthony Gordon. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> I like to defend him, but he left Everton and yeah, no, he's so got he's it dead in him. To you now, as far as you're concerned, is he? <laughs> I'm mutual and balanced and fair in everything I strive to do. Absolutely. I rise above it, just like gravity didn't, <laughs> as it turns out, on Anthony Gordon's foot. The second one was, I mean, Diaz made a lot of the second one, but it was that was more of a coming together and I didn't think there was anything in that. But I understand why Newcastle then made a decision, to, well, Eddie Howe made the decision to remove him because it was like, he did think maybe Gordon could lose his head a little bit here. And in the very same action, that's when Joe Linton absolutely wipes out Phil Foden and yeah. apparently 
appears to injure himself in the process. So that was that 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 is a concern for Newcastle as well. If, if Joe Linton's injured, I know he said I know I said he didn't play well at Man City. I didn't think he did, but he is crucial to Newcastle, and I think that if he is out for any extended period, then that would be a concern. In Gunn's defence, I don't don't think he's ever been sent off. He's just sort of nosed right, snide. <laughs> Toe, sort of snide edge of a line to toe for yeah, sort of winding him up. And Villa Park wasn't the uh, the only dark place for you, Jacob, was it? After the Lionesses failed to roar in the final uh, and a slightly shambolic start of the season for Newcastle United women as well. They were unable to agree a modified schedule with Halifax and had to postpone slash cancel their opening day fixture at Kingston Park. The club have asked supporters to retain their tickets in case the match is rearranged for a later date. Bit of a weird one, that, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm really enjoying that recap of all my losses. Sort of how far <laughs> back do you want to go? Do you want to go back to like, what, my secondary school love life? Like, are we going to... When Jacob didn't get the part as Oliver in the school play... I was gutted. I was always the Angel Gabriel rather than Joseph, and I've still not let it go. Um, yeah, it is shambolic, to be honest. There was quite a sort of anger at the club who kind of saw that Sunday could have been a big opportunity for women's football. Absolutely, the yeah. ideal, obviously, being that England win the final, everyone can then go out and watch the grassroots club play. It's the first professional game, so it's a big moment uh, for the club, for the city. And to kind of go back to kind of a whole sorry state of affairs is that quite rightly, uh, there's a move to try and change to kickoff time like these are players who have given a lot to the game and understandably want to watch the final so to facilitate that Newcastle managed to push back the kickoff an hour from two o'clock to three o'clock with the match uh, the England match kicking off at 11 in theory that's time to do both they also offered a room at Kingston Park for Halifax women to uh, watch the game at and yeah. put on free foods the issue was, is that with Halifax's players not necessarily actually living close to their training base in Halifax, they said that they'd simply having to, they'd simply have to get up too early to uh, get over to Kingston Park for 11 o'clock in time for kickoff. And in a slightly ironic turn of events, their vice chairman is actually a sleep expert who uh, goes on BBC breakfast. Right. When I asked him for comments, I sort of got a, uh, well, as you can imagine, in my day job as a sleep expert, I'm not going to encourage our players getting up too early. Although I should stress it was a decision made by the Halifax players, but just pretty disappointing 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 all around you can tell that i'm at the bridge hotel here uh yeah very disappointing and if you want to go back and listen to thursday's show uh we had a fantastic interview with amber keegan stobbs talking about the whole season coming up for the newcastle united women's team so that's well worth a listen check that out uh, also george losing his marbles a bit as well which is always fun isn't it chris that was i mean we had a video call afterwards to discuss the, the live show and I hadn't been on the podcast, obviously recording, and you you all intimated that there was something I needed to listen to, and it was even I did not expect George's meltdown the extent that that, that it was. I mean, uh, I still I still have that quote ringing through my head as well. I mean, what that had to do with anything to do with Newcastle United football or pod on the tine, I'm still not entirely sure. This is on. why we're doing this one in person, just so we can stage an intervention if needed. There's very little you can do over Zoom in that situation, where at least here, producer Ollie can sort of carry him out of the room, kicking and screaming if That's needed. It that's it right then let's move on chaps um, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and sign up now and pay just one ninety nine a month for 12 months we'll be back in just a moment looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there was a little bit of excitement this week and a hark back to olden days before Jacob remembers uh, Newcastle United. The mid-90s, Jacob, have you heard of that time? I was, well, I, no, I was born in the late 90s. So absolutely nothing that happened before you were born is of any no. interest to you whatsoever. No, but I just don't, you asked me if I had a recollection of it. <laughs> I just said, do you, do you, do you, does it mean anything to you? Uh, Amazon Prime, Jacob, they've dropped a bit of a clangor this week uh, when the intern on the transmission desk hit the big red button and prematurely published two episodes of the We Are Newcastle United documentary. Bit of a weird one, this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos must have just been so looking forward to the match uh, later that evening, we just couldn't let the news wait. <laughs> Massive Newcastle fan. Exactly, famously. Yeah. So... Amazon accidentally released episodes three and four of the Amazon documentary. And in episode four, there was a bit of a teaser that uh, Newcastle were agreeing a deal with Adidas to become the new kit manufacturers and confirm that that is going to happen from the 2024-25 season. And apparently, if you check your Playfair annuals, Newcastle did have their kits manufactured by, it's not even Playfair annuals, is it? Rothman's annuals. Rothman's, yeah. yeah. That's a thing, right? Yeah, George has all them. Sort of along with sort of like venerable beads, uh, <laughs> scrolls and that sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, I'll jump in here, Jacob, yes, because I realise this is all this is all before your time. All the Newcastle United and Adidas relationship is, is all before I've your time. I've heard it's nice. It's nice, yeah. We'll so. be much better than misty-eyed nostalgia than Jacob would on this one, <laughs> won't we? So it's fine. Come on. Well, George isn't here to do this bit yeah. as usual. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna profess to, to be George, not that I would want to be. Um there's a little dig there. So yes, basically throughout most of the 90s and into the uh, mid-2000s, Adidas, obviously famously Newcastle United's sponsors, during a wonderful time for the club, on-the-pitch entertainers, Sir Bobby Robson era, and also some kits which partly because of the success on the field, but also just for how, how they looked and, and the players who donned those shirts that Adidas and Newcastle United for a lot of Newcastle United fans holds that real affection in people's hearts and so I think for a lot of people this feels like a big moment Castor was never accepted in the same sort of way the Puma years were also controversial and that it was yep. seen that Newcastle had kits which were just sort of the same as someone else across Europe and just changing colours and it was just like retrofitted for them Castor although there was this sort of unique designs it was also it was, it was Castor there was a, lot, a lot of people had a lot of issues buying the kits and that they were coming the wrong sizes or didn't seem to be the quality and also it's just it, they, they don't have the same reputation within sport as adidas do and so for a lot of supporters this will be wonderful there's a lot of excitement about potential retro kits i know you're already looking forward to a white tracksuit aren't you absolutely so. that i can spill blackcurrant <laughs> squash down the front of within five minutes of getting it on yeah definitely which player do you remember in the in the white tracksuit who do you think was best in it 
What? Who? 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 who, who when you picture the white tracksuit, which player do you remember wearing that white tracksuit? None of the players wore the white tracksuit. It wasn't a team tracksuit. I thought they were, I thought they wore it for some of the training when they turned up training. Didn't no, they? I don't think so. I thought the white tracksuit was just like an Adidas Originals reissue, like a, was it right. in the early two thousands? Yeah. We never let nostalgia get in the way of a good story. Eh? No, well, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. an absolute. Th- oh, all right, okay, John Beresford. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like Taylor now standing in front of the, the mirror just wearing that. Imagine he's a Newcastle United player, you know. That's it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has generated quite a bit of excitement with the fans, hasn't it? And and I think a lot of people are, they like that nostalgia thing, but I think also it links them back to that time when things were great, the club was great, the city was going places. People have been waiting for it for years. They've always thought we'd go back to Adidas, but is there a chance that this could be like the old thing of you shouldn't go back to your ex? It's never quite going to be the same second time round. There's a bit of pressure on that first home kit now, isn't there? What if they get it? horribly wrong I mean there is a bit of pressure I think there's probably more pressure on the sort of if they do do a retro kit range and then what sort of prices they'll be because I'm sure that in the modern day the way that the, the sports apparel is that it'll, it'll cost a heck of a lot of money but yeah, who knows what that what that first kit will look like. Actually, some of the Castor ones have, in terms of design have gone down quite well in terms of how people have, have liked them visually have, uh, you, seen I, that, have but, you seen that Arsenal kit that Adidas have made this season? Yeah. The away one? It's yeah, shite. it is. It is awful. But it's disgusting. You, but he, uh, there were also some some of the ones in the nineties weren't great. So, I mean, you look back on them and you look towards it personally. Some of the one, some of the away kits towards the end of the nineties, that sort of green and white one, I didn't think was great. And you have other other kits like that. So we shall we shall see. I mean, in some ways, what the kits look like that's an, an emotional sort of tie. And that's something yeah. that fans will hold with it. And I think it will also depend on how the team performs on the pitch as to how you like. You take for example Newcastle's championship winning season uh, under Chris Hutton. That away kit was awful. The deck chair. One the, the the yellow one, but it's become a bit of an iconic strip. The banana, that, the bananas the banana and custard, yeah. Because the team did yeah. so well, and it became a bit of a, a bit I of an iconic that, strip. Yeah. So it, it also depends on how you perform on the field as well as to how you remember kits. Just on a slightly more serious note, with Adidas obviously being a much more established brand, and Castore is their world in which they're slightly more resistant to do some of the Saudification of uh, Newcastle kits. Like Castore have sort of been, you know, you can imagine that might be a factor. I hope so. I mean, also, obviously, the, the actual main point beyond all of the, I suppose, fr- from a cl- from the club's point of view, as well as the maybe exposure that Adidas will give you in terms of globally and the reach that they can they can have in terms of selling the kit and marketing it, this is also about financial fair play. And I've seen a few comments about some people going, this is a way of getting around financial fair play. I would term it differently because that suggests that Newcastle are circumventing the rules. There's nothing against the rules for you to get a kit deal which is more lucrative and this one yeah. is very much expected to be more lucrative than the Castor deal which is worth about 7 million roughly a year Newcastle will expect to receive more from this and similar to the seller front of shirt sponsorship deal the whole point of of, of, of FFP the way that you can spend more on FFP is to earn more revenue wise and Newcastle need to do that commercially in so many ways the two big ways of doing that really a, front of shirt sponsor, which they've done with Seller, and B, kit manufacturer, which they've done with Adidas. And it feeds into the whole kind of, why they're kind of aggressively pushing some of these markets, like the documentaries part of it, and also the friendlies, which they're going to be, uh, Saudi Arabia's friendlies, at uh, St. James's Park next month. I asked Eddie Howe about it at a press conference on Friday, asked him kind of, does he see this as being something they have to do for part of the commercial growth? He said in a very Eddie Howe way, He's not one of the financial guys, fair point, Eddie, but didn't have any comment on it. Asked him if he could empathise with it, and he said that he hadn't given it any thought. And I know there has been some sort of criticism saying he's the manager of it, it's not his remit, and true, but he's the only person at the club who we're given regular access to to ask these questions, which need to continue to be asked. And 
it's his job in that sense to answer them. Absolutely right. Let's move on a little bit. Um, Liverpool at home coming up this weekend. Looking forward to this one immensely. I've managed to get myself a ticket for me and the boy. So he's going back to St. James's Park for the first time this year. So we're very excited about that. So it should be great. Um, we failed the City Away test, Chris. Uh, this one could be very different though, couldn't it? A full St. James's Park. We're going to do a full preview for that on Thursday with George. Uh, but early shots fired by Jurgen Klopp, who will apparently be speaking to the authorities before this one. What's all that about? Well, I assume this is to do with Alexis McAllister's uh, dismissal for Liverpool, which I'll be honest, before I'd seen it, I did go into it really, really hoping that it was a red card and it was just Jurgen Klopp. Winging. Really wanted a player to get sent off. Well, I really, really want. I really, really sounds about right. Really wanted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but the more that I've seen this one, oh, sorry, I've just knocked my phone on the floor. Ollie's trying not to look at me in disgust. Um, but I, I I don't think, unlike the Anthony Gordon, I think the Anthony Gordon one was more of a red card than this. I'm not directly comparing them because they were slightly different. But I just think this was a bit of it coming together. He was slightly later into the challenge, got a straight red card. I assume Liverpool. Are going to appeal it, and if if they if it, the appeal is unsuccessful, they don't appeal it. Alexis McAllister is a big miss for Liverpool because they yeah. already are desperate to sign a number six. He's been playing that number six role. Obviously, they missed out on both Caicedo and Lavia to Chelsea. Look, I'm sure most managers would have a little bit of a whinge, but Jurgen Klopp loves it. certainly at the minute oh, he loves does, to have a whinge about a lot of things, and so he's come out and 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 said that complaint to the authority. I don't really understand. I don't think it's a one of the ones like it's an absolute howler of a. You should have just said they were appealing it. To, to say that I'm going to the authorities make it sound like there's some big conspiracy. I don't think it was that. I just, yeah. Quite funny that Jurgen Klopp has such can I speak to the manager energy when he gets so annoyed when anyone tries to speak to him, the manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Is his middle name Karen by any chance? I wasn't. <laughs> Jurgen Karen Klopp. <laughs> Potentially, the haircut is a little bit the sort of bob and glasses combo. Do you think he's? Do you think Chris though a bit of this is just trying to deflect away from the fact his defence is looking a bit wobbly at the minute? I mean, possibly, and also maybe to do with the transfer market that, as I've said, they they have missed out on two of their top targets to Chelsea, and they do look a bit desperate, really, in the transfer market. They brought in Endo from from Germany, uh, the Japanese at national, who, by all accounts, is, is a good player, and I think the police have him, but he's also 30 years of age rather than yeah. Lavia and Castedo, who are late, late teens, early 20s, the sort of player they would build around for years. This seems a bit more of a sort of backup signing that they've made. and the re- But the, they've also made some interesting signings. They've got Shabozla in midfield, who Newcastle have liked for a long period, yeah. and a lot of Newcastle fans were keen for Newcastle to try and go for. McAllister was someone who Newcastle were well aware of as well. They In attack, Liverpool look very good, but as you say, defensively, they do look shaky. They've been a bit of a bogey side for Newcastle in recent years. No matter what happens, Newcastle don't seem to, to claim victory over them. They go to Anfield last year, and Newcastle played really, really well. Yeah. A couple of decisions go against them. Late goal, very controversial fashion. Offside. Yeah. The offside where Isak's goals disallowed. Then at St. James's. The two they concede two goals early on. They're probably the better side. Nick Pope then oh, gets sent off. Still twitch before, thinking yeah. about that. I still get twitchy and a bit sort of like before the cup final. And so they they they're just a team who Newcastle don't often get the better of in terms of scoreline. But I think this weekend Newcastle will have learned from the Man City game. It's as I mentioned earlier, the St James's Park factor is so different, and I do think that this is an excellent opportunity for Newcastle to get back to winning ways. They are always pretty entertaining games, aren't they? From sort of a sort of footballing perspective, with Newcastle resembling those early Klopp sides quite a lot in terms of the intensity, the yeah. tactics, the verticality of it. Heavy metal football, I believe, is what Jurgen used to call it. I don't know yeah, what I don't know what he's calling it now. Like it's like elevator music, isn't it now, rather than heavy metal football. 
that you're the musician, but some elevator music does <laughs> I sound a little I'm a bit rude. I'm a musician either, to be honest, but fair enough. It's going to be an interesting one, Chris. I'm excited for this game. I, I, I love uh, Liverpool at home. I've, there's been some great ties over the years. The one which stands out in my mind and the one that really, really was exciting was when Papa Cissé got the two goals that day and Ben Arthur put uh, Jose Enrique on his arse that day. And then, oh, and that was the day that uh, Rainer got sent off, wasn't it? I believe James so. Perch involved himself in the occasion. <laughs> he did, and, and I mean, as, as Jigga, I mean, this is a, this is a classic sort of Premier League fixture. The high, the the, the, the peak of the the mid nineties. The, these are the fixtures that everyone talks about as the as the sort of pinnacle of of Premier League football. And four thirty on a Sunday is far better kickoff time than eight o'clock on a Saturday Absolutely. in terms of. And I think that that town will be very very drink fueled, and that will only add to the atmosphere. What are your plans for the game, Chris? Are you going to be heading into town with James, passing on your jinx to him? James is not coming to the game. I am going to the game. I'm going with my brother. So uh, nice. Yeah, I'm going. I'll be in the. I'll be in the Gallagher end watching it. So I shall. I drink shall field. Drink. For, I. I mean, I may have a beverage or two, but you know, I, I wouldn't want to comment too soon on that, Jacob. Let's let's see. All right, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just celebrate with a nice cup of tea and a bourbon when I get in, if we win. That would be very me, to be fair. Yeah, Kindred spirits. So, any more for any more? Are we worried about the rate of bookings that we're picking up early in the season? I like the way that this Newcastle side is so competitive that Gillington's attempting to break both his own record and, in due course, the Premier League record for most bookings picked up in a season. He's made a strong start to it. It's not the only thing he's trying to break as well, is it? If you watch some of the tackles he's been putting in, my God. Well, I think I think this is that's part of... This Newcastle side, I mean, it is it is a concern if they if they keep building up, but particularly when a team like Man City is on top of them, then they will try to break it up a little bit. I think it was a way to almost try and stop Man City's passing rhythm was to yeah. try and it was just to get in the face a little bit, and physically create, disrupt them. Yeah. yeah, but it's not something you want to see every week. I think we'll see less of it at St James's Park, certainly in matches when Newcastle are on top, and you don't you don't play Man City. Thankfully, you don't play Man City more than twice a season. So, just thought it's worth giving a quick update on the Jason Tindall. Eddie Howe, touchline Macarena, which they're involved in every week. Because if Eddie had, they sort of, uh, they're kind of exposed a little bit by the pure size of the technical area. But yeah. I am waiting with bated breath for the game against Liverpool because this is probably the most volatile touchline which there's going to be all season with Klopp versus Tindall. It kicked off at Anfield last year as well. There was a... Uh... There was things thrown from one dugout to another. It also went down the tunnel. So, And when you got to beverage fueled Chris Woff in the Gallagher tent, I mean... But <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Exactly. Secret weapon. Absolutely. Uh, right then, I think that's it. It's been fun, this, chaps. It's been nice to, uh, to do it in person for a change. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, other than Ollie having to face the other way so that he didn't constantly glare at me for cocking up. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but other than that, no, it's been, it's been very nice to see you all. Shame, shame George couldn't be bothered to turn up, but, you know, it's nice to see Nice to see you other guys. Absolutely. Uh, right then, thanks a lot. Cheers for your time. Deedly. Cheers, Taylor. Lovely stuff. Uh, do get in touch. We're all on Twitter, and as is the show, at Pod on the Tyne. Uh, and if you're not on Twitter, which some of you aren't, which is fair enough, uh, you can email us at podonthetyne at theathletic.com. Right, that's just about it. We'll be back on Thursday with George and Jacob to have a proper look at that Liverpool game at the weekend. Uh, Look after yourselves, have a good week uh, and take care and we'll be back with more Pod on the Time very soon. Cheers, bye-bye. And if you want to go back and have a listen, if you haven't already listened to our uh, episode from Monday, we had a fantastic interview there with Amber Keegan-Stobbs talking about the whole season. 
Was it Thursday? It's Monday today, isn't it? Let's do that again. I think that's everything. I don't think we've got anything else we need to add at this point other than to say thanks very much for listening. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. And uh, we shall see you on Monday. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Thursday. It's Monday now, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking hell. What day is it? <laughs> How drunk was I yesterday? How drunk are you now? <laughs> Very. <laughs> Half a chance you sent you leaping back. Shall I do sorry, that again? <laughs> Shall I do that again? Or could you just keep that? Yeah. <laughs> no, let's just keep that in. It's called a jazz ending. That's what that is. Uh, right then, do get in touch. Oh, I'm not going to do all that shit. Fucking hell, I've already done that once. So that's it. Nothing elf. Oh, nothing elf. Stop laughing, Chris Wolf, or you'll have to do this. So that's it. Nothing else to uh, to discuss. Let's. Uh, oh, The Athletic. Right, that's it. Let's wrap things up. We'll be back on Thursday with George and Jacob, I believe. Yep, correct. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so, that's... Oh, fuck, I don't even know what I'm doing now. Sorry, hang on. Everybody talk about John